Hello, everybody. This is Joseph P. Farrell with News and Views from the Nefarium on Thursday, December 3rd, or pardon me, 6th, 2018. I'm three days behind, folks. What a week it's been. We'll get back to that in just a minute. Um, there, there to me is just something absolutely unbelievable that appeared in the New York Times. But as I say, we'll get back to that. Don't forget a couple of announcements. We do have a vid chat again tomorrow uh, on Friday. That will be the European African Members Time Zone vid chat. That will start at 2 in the afternoon. As usual, I'll be in there early uh, to have some pre-chat discussion with everybody in the chat room. And then again, a week from tomorrow, we're having yet another vid chat on December the 14th. That will be the America's Pacific Time Zone vid chat. Uh, that will be at about... Um, sorry about that. I didn't realize I had my volume turned down so much on the microphone. Um, that will be again at 6.30. I've been starting those vid chats, evening vid chats earlier to make sure that we get through everything. We had a big vid chat last uh, Friday with lots of questions. So please get your questions in uh, for tomorrow's vid chat. I am working on trying to schedule somebody for the December uh, dialogues. I haven't yet uh, been able to do that, but I will post an announcement if I am. And uh, here we go. It's been quite a week. I mean to tell you, um, we had, of course, the G20 meeting. We had uh, Chancellor Angela Merkel's plane. Let's call it Luftwaffe Ein. I don't know what they <laughs> what they call the German version of Air Force One. So that had to return. Apparently, there was a massive systems failure with their electrical systems. Uh, I, again, I was tempted to comment about that, although I did not. Uh, either someone is trying to send the chancellor messages or trying to keep her away from the G20, or maybe she just didn't want to go, or... I don't know, or maybe it's a simple matter of don't fly an Airbus. <laughs> I don't know. Um, so that was going on. Then we had, of course, a, a, a contempt of parliament vote in Great Britain, uh, forcing the government to try to turn over all, and make public all of its negotiating strategy and positions with the European Union for the Brexit Prime Minister May lost that vote. That was a first in history, uh, according to some of the news sources I've seen. So that weakens her government tremendously. So you have both Angela Merkel and Theresa May with weak governments right now. And at the same time, Emmanuel Macron in France is getting pounded uh, and that government is weak, and the only government that in Europe appears to have any sort of plan or program is Italy. So, so that's going on in Europe. And then, of course, we had the seismic event. Um, that was very, very unusual, and uh, it's looking even more and more unusual the more we get into it. But in spite of my temptation to want to talk about all of that, um, someone sent me this link to a, an op-ed piece in the New York Times 
that was written by the current president of the Ukraine. And yeah, folks, I say the Ukraine because that's the proper English. I don't care what the New York Times editorial board says. It's the Ukraine like it's the Netherlands and the United Kingdom and the United States. But anyway, I'm picky. The Ukrainian president published an op-ed piece just yesterday in the New York Times, Petro Poroshenko, and it's titled, Putin Must Be Punished. Okay? Now, I read this thing in a mixture of shock <laughs> and disbelief because um, there's there's so much here that that boggles the mind. I, I don't even know where to begin. But I've picked out a few paragraphs from this op-ed piece, this letter that he wrote, and which the New York Times published. And it says this, quote, The Ukrainian people will not watch as Russia continues its creeping annexation of our country. Four years ago, in the aftermath of our revolution, now... Stop right there, folks. Uh, I'm one of those that is is pretty convinced that that whole revolution thing was a put-up job by the West, by the neocons in the West. Let's not forget Victoria Newland. Let's not forget the Monsanto inroads into uh, the Ukraine. And, and let's not forget the uh, connections between the current government in the Ukraine and its... Nazi antecedents, it's fascist antecedents from World War II. And I'm not trying to forget the communist uh, atrocities that were committed by the Russians in the Ukraine either. That was all, that's all part of this history. But revolution, uh, it's more to me like a coup d'etat. But anyway, to continue. Four years ago, in the aftermath of our revolution, the Ukraine, and I'm putting the the in, the Ukraine alone was not able to withstand a Russian military adventure. But today our resolve is strong and we are prepared to stand up to Russia. This is why I have enacted limited martial law in Ukrainian territory near the Russian border so that we are able to mobilize and protect our security should Russia dare to intensify its aggression. But we also need the support of the international community in the form of further sanctions against Moscow for its latest assault. So, in other words, this is a direct plea from, from the Ukrainian president to the West via the New York Times. Please clamp down more sanctions on Russia. Anyway, to continue... Russia's attack in the Kerch Strait and the Black Sea on November 25th was not an isolated incident. Since 2014, Russia has regularly violated international rules of navigation and treaties in both those waters and the Sea of Azov. It has stolen our energy supplies and fisheries, harmed Ukrainian livelihoods, and blocked traffic and trade to our ports. That may very well be true, but we're going to get back to that Kerch straight attack in a minute here. Now, skipping some paragraphs, Russia brought the situation to a head on November 25th as Ukrainian naval boats sought to make their way legally and peacefully from the Ukrainian port of Odessa to the Ukrainian port of Mariupol. Let me make clear that despite Russia's typical efforts to distort the truth, Ukraine's ships never aggressed 
Russia's Navy never opened fire despite being goaded, were attacked with gunfire and missiles, and were seized while sailing home in international waters. Now, I want to address this um, for a moment here. If you've read the Saker's coverage of this same incident, what the Saker points out is that in all previous situations where the Ukraine was sailing under the Kerch Strait Bridge into the Sea of Avos, Azov, they obtained permission from the Russian authorities to do so. This time they did not, and, and we'll get back to that. And the Russians did respond with uh, some rather forceful military force to this situation where they did not in previous instances. And again, I will get back to what he thinks and personally what I think may have been going on in that incident. Skipping yet another paragraph. The crisis continues with our servicemen and boats being held in Russian custody, hundreds of ships being blocked in the Sea of Azov, denied permission by the Russians to pass through the Kerch Strait. These are not just Ukrainian ships. They carry the flags of other countries, and they have been effectively commandeered by Russia. Again, big bad Russia commandeering all those ships. And again, I'm not going to dispute that this may be going on, but there's a reason why it may be going on. And again, we'll get back to that. How much more hostility will it take before the West's words of concern graduate into the hard currency in which the Kremlin trades strength? Russia has deployed chemical weapons in Britain. And no doubt he's referring to the Skripal case, which is a dodgy narrative to, at best. Uh, undertaken cyber attacks and hacking attempts across the West. Yes, we all know about the Russian collusion in the, in the American elections. Apparently, they only colluded in half the election last time. Bombed civilians in Syria. The West hasn't done that, of course. Fomented a war in the eastern Ukraine that has caused more than 10,000 Ukrainian deaths and spread disinformation to confuse, anger, and frighten citizens around the world. Is now not the time to act. So in other words, he wants something more than sanctions, it sounds to me. President Trump showed true leadership by canceling his meeting with Mr. Putin at the G20 in Argentina over Russia's seizing of Ukrainian ships and sailors. We have enjoyed tangible support from the White House and Congress, including defensive weapons, stronger sanctions, and more American energy supplies. Now, let's stop right there and recall something that goes all the way back to the uh, collapse of the Soviet Union and the agreements, the gentlemen's agreements between then President George Herbert Walker Bush, recently deceased, of course, and the then uh, General Secretary of the Communist Party of the Soviet Union, Mikhail Gorbachev. As the Soviet Union began to collapse, the West pledged, number one, it would not seek to integrate the Ukraine or any of the former Soviet republics into the NATO structure, which, of course, the West has done, breaking the agreement, and it would not seek to base or uh, weaponize or sell weapons to these, to these countries, which, again, the West has done. So, in other words, there is a little more history here that Mr. Poroshenko is leaving out. Continuing, together partners on both sides of the Atlantic Ocean can continue to raise the cost to Russia for threatening our collective security. And that is where I'm going to leave it. Now, let's go to the Kerch Strait here and this November 25th incident and the Russian response to it, which was, again, very forceful. 
uh, I go back to what the Saker pointed out on his website, and that that is that this incident was not one of those instances where the Ukrainians obtained permission from the Russians to go through the Kerch Strait. That's considered Russian sovereign waters. They, they control both sides of the Kerch Strait. And the bridge, that is the key here. The, the way I'm seeing it, and this is certainly the way that the Saker was suggesting, and I tend to agree, is that they, the Russians, have been concerned about keeping that bridge open. And they may have been concerned about a potential attack on that bridge, uh, not necessarily by the Ukraine, although there are suggestions that the Ukraine may have had an explosive device on board, one of those vessels that they were seeking to place under the bridge, which they were prevented from doing. Now, folks, the Ukraine wouldn't do that on its own. Mr. Poroshenko is... is uh, acting, I think, as a cat's paw for other factors that desperately want to provoke a crisis with Russia to save their own hides back in, in the West. Um, I think that is part of what's going on. And the reality here, folks, is that Russia simply is not going to give up or surrender the Crimea back to the Ukraine and therefore to Western control and lose its primary basing for its Baltic Sea fleet. It's just not going to do that. This is a matter of uh, Russian national security as far as they're concerned, and they're not going to do that. And then the final thing that Poroshenko is leaving out here is that he's facing an election and his poll numbers are disastrous. Uh, he is his is not a popular regime in the Ukraine, and again, it's no, it's perfectly evident why because it was an installed regime. So I'm left here with this op-ed piece with one question, and I want to I want to uh, pose it this way: since Poroshenko has decided to go public in the New York Times. I'm wondering if the courtesy of a reply is going to be extended to Mr. Putin to address this letter. And if so, I, I, I suspect that it's going to put the other side of the story a little bit more clearly as to what Russia may have been doing and expecting was going on. I don't know. Time will tell. Uh, and one final thing. Uh, even though Trump canceled his scheduled meeting with with Mr. Putin at the G20 summit, uh, the news is reporting that they did have a brief informal meeting nonetheless. So I suspect that much more is going on here, that this is a desperation move by the embattled Ukrainian president and that whatever operation that that they may have been involved in in the Kerch Strait and possibly an attempt to blow up that bridge or cause severe damage to it and shut it down, shut down the traffic over the Kerch Strait, um, that that whole thing failed, it's backfired, and now he's under a lot of internal and domestic heat. So the uh, situation is not very good. Um, it, it's going to be interesting to see if there's going to be any reply from Mr. Putin. I suspect eventually there will be, although whether or not it will appear in the New York Times or in the Russian media or 
some other response. Uh, I suspect that we're going to see something. Anyway, that's my news and views for today. Very worrying developments in the Ukraine. And uh, don't forget, we've got the vid chat tomorrow at 2 in the afternoon. Please get your questions in. Uh, we have another vid chat a week from tomorrow, and then we'll take uh, the rest of the month off for the holidays. This will continue probably past the new year uh, in January. So anyway, I want to uh, extend an invitation to everybody be in the vid chat tomorrow we had a really good one last week and look forward to it again tomorrow that's it for the news and views today we'll see you on the flip side everybody bye bye and god bless <laughs>